Then Jaden was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Jordan was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Jekyra was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Kimmy was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Tariqwe was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. I think we ought to give God one more praise. Come on, give God one more praise in this place. How many of you were blessed by the ministry of Pastor Holmes this morning in this building? Come on, how many of you got it in your spirit tonight? Uh, hallelujah. That it's not too much trouble. Tell your neighbor it's not too much trouble. Come on, just remain standing as we prepare for the word. Uh, tell your neighbor it's not too much trouble uh, to give God the praise. Tell him it's not too much trouble uh, to magnify the Lord in this place. Anybody come expecting something great from God in this building tonight? We want Pastor Holmes to come and do whatever God has put in his heart. Pastor Holmes, we apologize for acting so crazy tonight. I apologize for all the ties you got to wade through on the platform. But we're ready for whatever God gave you tonight. Would you give God one more great big shout of praise as the man of God comes to deliver the word? Hallelujah. Well, somebody ought to give God praise in this sanctuary. Are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated. I want to ask my son if he would, Brother Benson, come greet this congregation before I get to the word of the Lord here. Come on. Amen. It is good to be in God's house tonight with God's people. Come to celebrate the goodness of God in this house. Amen. Has he been good to anybody in this house? Oh, come on. Did he wake you up this morning? Did he start you on your way? Oh, I'm thankful to be in God's house today. Amen. It is such an honor to be here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers with the Williams, our dear friend. And we are so glad to be here tonight. Um, I am thankful to meet each and every one of you that I have met already. And I hope to meet the rest of you. And I'm just excited to see what God has in store for us tonight. Anybody come expecting a harvest tonight? Anyone have seed planted in the ground that you said, God, tonight is my night. I'm going to come tonight and I'm going to expect a harvest. Amen. I believe God has something so great in store for this church. And I believe that tonight can be your night. If you come tonight and you're a visitor, tonight is your night for the receival of the Holy Ghost. If you come with a miracle and a need on your heart, God can give that to you tonight. There's nothing too difficult for God in this place. Amen. And I'm excited to see what God is going to do. Can we give God one more big hand clap of praise in this house? Come on, let's give it to him in this house. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to thank the pastor of this church, my friend, Brother Randy Williams. He is such a blessing to the apostolic movement. I love him. I love his family so much. And I'm thankful that I can call him my friend. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful to see this great church here in Fort Myers, Florida. What a beautiful, beautiful congregation that's here. I tell you what, you're blessed to have such a great music department. I think we ought to give it up for the music department. Hallelujah, my goodness. We have already been so blessed by what we have heard, what we have seen. Thank you, Bishop, for your kindness to us, your hospitality. Such a great opportunity to get to be here with you. and We do not take it lightly, and we're very grateful for it here today. I'm going to preach to you tonight what I feel the Lord has laid upon my heart. I won't be very long, but I just want to get you to help me. Would you just lift your hands with me right now all over the sanctuary and ask God to touch your heart and make you ready to receive. Come on, in the name of Jesus. God, I believe you right now. I know you're our help, you're our strength. Anoint this congregation to hear your word. Anoint me to preach your word tonight in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I'm going to withhold my title until a little further into my message here tonight. Throughout the scriptures, insignificant objects have had great meaning and emphasis. Uh, Throughout the Bible, we read about certain things that seem rather insignificant, but yet in uh, the Word of God, they have great meaning. One of those things is a door, a door. Now, when God started putting this message on my heart for this weekend, I had no idea that your theme for the year was the open door. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for every open door that God gives. And so I want to share with you a few of those doors here tonight. The door of the ark, Genesis chapter 6, verse 16, God said, set the door of the ark in its side. Noah and his wife, his three sons and daughters-in-law entered into the ark. And the Lord, uh, after the animals had been placed in the ark, and after male and female of all flesh went into that ark, the Bible tells us God commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. There is just only one door and one way in which to be saved. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. I said it this morning and I'll say it again. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. 
I wonder if there's anybody in this sanctuary that is thankful for the door of salvation. Anybody thankful for the door of salvation? The next door I want to bring to your attention is the Passover door. It comes from the time of Moses. God commanded Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt into the promised land. The night before they were to leave, God instituted the Passover, which involved the sacrificing of a spotless lamb. And then the father, the head of the house, was to smear uh, the doorpost and lintel with the blood of that lamb. And, and those who followed this instruction were saved from the tenth plague, which was the death of every firstborn. The Passover door symbolizes God's protection from the Israelites. It foreshadows the need to be covered by the blood of a perfect lamb. The Lord's judgment was coming, but those whose doors were covered by the lamb's blood would be spared from the plague of the death of the firstborn. It still takes the blood today. It still requires the blood of the lamb to wash away your sins. Anybody thankful for the Passover door? The next door I want to share with you is the door of hope. The Lord said, I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Achor means trouble. The Lord was saying, I will make in the valley of trouble a door of hope. I want to tell you tonight, no matter what you're facing, no matter what's going on in your life, whether it be good or bad, if you're in the valley of Achor, if you're in the valley of trouble, God can provide a door of hope. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul asks the church at Colossae to pray that a door of utterance or a door for the message would be opened so that he could preach the mystery of Christ. And so we need the door of utterance. We need God to speak. We need God to speak through the man of God. We need God to open up that door where we can share the word of God, where people can hear the message of repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for a door of utterance. Hallelujah. Now, I could go on and belabor the point here tonight and share with you many doors found in Scripture, but these are just a few of the doors that I want to share with you. In a few hours, uh, across the Atlantic Ocean, the state funeral for Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II will commence. It'll take place in Westminster Abbey. World leaders from around the globe will be present to watch as the queen's coffin arrives inside the hallowed halls of one of Great Britain's most important and sacred and historic churches, Westminster Abbey. I'm reminded of a story that I heard about the queen. As most of you know, Elizabeth 
was not in line to be the queen, at least not in direct secession. Because of her uncle's abdication from the throne, her father became king. Her father's reign was very short due to his death. And at the age of 25 years, Elizabeth ascended to the throne. At the, en at the end of her reign, it was apparent that she was completely comfortable as queen. But as a 25-year-old shy young lady, her confidence was lacking sorely. Lady Penn, who was a lady-in-waiting to Elizabeth's mother, the queen mother, she reveals that the queen was shy and she was, she was uh, uh, very timid and, and Elizabeth's mother uh, began to give her advice for how she should conduct herself uh, during these, these times of, of state visits and audiences with uh, different people from around the world. And the queen mother told the queen when she was very young that she had to be brave if she was going to be queen. And I think the queen, this is what Penn said, the queen probably when she was young felt walking into a room full of people was a rather daunting experience. And so the queen mother had some advice for this young queen, Elizabeth II. She said, what you want to do is when you walk into a room, you want to walk through the middle of the door. What Lady Penn was saying is, don't sort of go in apologetically. You walk through as if I'm in charge of this meeting. I'm here to preach to the Rock Church of Fort Myers tonight. It's time for you to walk through the middle of your door. When God opens a door, it is his will for you to walk through the middle of the door, not to be intimidated, not to be shy, not to hesitate, not to swipe your shoulder on the side of the door frame, but to enter boldly, to enter unashamed, to enter unafraid. It's time for the people of God to walk through the middle of the door. Ah, I'm here to preach to you tonight. God's opened some doors in your life, and some of you are too scared to walk through them. Some of you are getting as close to the side of the door as possible because you just don't know if you have the ability. You don't know if you are qualified enough to go through that door. I'm here to preach to you tonight and tell you it's time for you to walk right through the middle of the door and say, if God opened the door, I'm going to walk through it. Oh, God, help me tonight. When Paul and his associates arrived into Antioch and gathered the church together, they reported all the things that God had done for them. And they, that he, God, had opened a door of faith. Everybody say door of faith. Come on, look at your neighbor and say door of faith. Opened a door of faith for the Gentiles. 
And I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16. He said, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door. Everybody say wide. For a wide door for effective work has been opened to me. And there are many adversaries. I believe the Lord is speaking to this local assembly as he did to the church in Ephesus. I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. I'm here to preach to you and tell you that the door that God has opened for you, you've got to walk through it unashamedly. You've got to walk through it boldly. You've got to be and do everything God has called you to be and do. Oh, my goodness. Why in the world are we so intimidated? Why do we allow the voices in our head to be louder than the voice from heaven that's telling us to walk, that's telling us to go through that open door? Why do we allow our insecurities and our feelings of inadequacy to stop us from pursuing what God has for us? Hey, brother, sister, I'm here to tell you tonight, it's time for you to get up. It's time for you to walk right through the middle of the door. It's time for you to stop being intimidated. It's time for you to stop worrying about what people think about you. It's time for you to walk through the door. I got just a few examples for you and then I'm finished. The first one is Esther. The Bible tells us she was placed in that palace for such a time as this. She was strategically and divinely placed right where she needed to be to see the salvation of her people. Hey, God has put you where you need to be. Hey, he's positioned you for victory. Mordecai came to Esther's servant, began to tell her, her servant, all that was about to happen and how that Haman had devised a wicked plan to demolish and destroy and annihilate all of the Hebrews. Esther did not shrink back from that. Esther did not wring her hands in fear. Esther prepared for the task. She told them, she said, you get all the Jews together and you start a fast for three days. Don't eat or drink anything night or day. And I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. Hey, just because God has positioned you for victory, that doesn't mean you don't have to fast and pray too. Just because he's appointed you for a certain time and place and, and, and position and purpose, that doesn't mean that you just say, well, I'll, it'll just happen when it happens. I'm going to tell you what you need to do is go back and get down on your knees and pray again. What you need to do is take the time to fast again. But this is what I love about Esther. She said, let's pray and let's fast. And we're going to do it here in the palace. 
We're all going to pray and fast. And even though it's against the king's order, even though it's against his law, if I perish, I perish. I will go before the king. You know what you need to get in your spirit? You need to get it. If I perish, I perish, but I'm still going to do what God has called me to do. You know what Esther did? She walked right through the middle of that door. And what happened is the king extended to her the golden scepter. I'm here to preach to you and tell you if you'll be obedient to God, God will show favor to you, to your family. How can we preach about boldness if we don't talk about the Hebrew men? I know they talk about them being boys. They weren't boys. In fact, Bishop, they were already in power. They were already in positions of power. (laughs) But when the edict came that every person had to bow before the image of the king, they said, oh, no, 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 no. Nebuchadnezzar, we're not bowing. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, I wish somebody would say that with me right now. But if not, come on, let's say it again. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter the pressure you apply. You can heat it up seven times hotter. We will not bend. We will not bow. And you know what those three Hebrew boys did? They walked right through the middle of that furnace door and their clothes didn't smell like smoke and their hair wasn't singed and their clothes weren't burnt. Why? Because they had the boldest to stand for what was right. My last example here tonight. Musicians, come on. I feel like God's going to infuse somebody with fresh boldness here tonight. Somebody's going to leave this sanctuary. You're going to go, and when that door opens, you're going to remember this little, little message from the preacher from Arkansas. And you're going to walk right through the middle of the door that God has opened for you. I'm reminded of the early church and the apostles. One of my favorite words found in the book of Acts is that word bold or boldness. It was a characterization of everybody in the early church. They were not afraid to say it. They were not afraid to demonstrate it. They were not afraid to be the church. We come to Acts chapter 4. The Lord, this is Peter and John. They're praying. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal. 
and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And I love verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they assembled together. And they were all, everybody shout all. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they speak the word of God with boldness. You see, before Pentecost, they were hiding in a room somewhere. They were scared for their lives. They were scared of the Roman Empire. They were worried about what was going to happen to them. They were scared to death. But when the Holy Ghost came down, when the Holy Ghost came down, but ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost is come on you. And you're going to be witnesses. And you're going to have power. I want to tell you what characterized the early church was not timidity. It was not bashfulness. It was not shyness. What characterized the early church was boldness they were willing to walk through every door right through the middle of it it didn't matter if it meant going to jail or prison it didn't matter if they scoffed laughed or made fun they were willing to do whatever it took they were willing to walk right through that door i want to tell you tonight church it's time for you to walk through the door it's time for you to walk right through the middle of the door. We're almost at the end of this year. And it's time for you to do what God has called you to do. Stand with me across the sanctuary. I love the commentary of the early church about the early church, about Jason and all of the early church saints. They looked at these men and women and they said, these are the people that have turned the world upside down. These are the people that have turned. Hey, let me tell you something. Your history books, kids in school, they don't tell you stories about people that were defeated. At least not very many stories. We don't read about people. People aren't famous that are defeated. The people that are famous, it's because they overcame the challenges. Let me tell you something. History's not very kind to those who tuck their tail and run. And let me tell you tonight, the church should not take a back seat. We shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be intimidated. We shouldn't be worried. It's time for the church to walk through the middle of the door. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what door is before you. It may be a door of blessing. It may be a door of ministry. I don't know what the door is, but God sent a preacher all the way from Arkansas to tell you it's time for you to walk through the middle 
of your door. I want you to come to this front. I want you to open your hearts to God right now. I want you to lift your hands. And I want you to pray that God infuses you with boldness. I want you to pray that God infuses you with boldness. Come on. I'm preaching to you tonight. It's time for you to walk through the middle of the door. No longer should you be intimidated. No longer should you be afraid. No longer should you try to slide through the side of the door. It's time to just let God open the door and walk right through the middle of that door. Come on, lift your hands, lift your hearts all over this sanctuary. Come on, God is speaking to you. God is speaking. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I speak it in Jesus' name. I speak it in Jesus' name. Walk through the middle. Walk through the middle. Walk through the middle. Walk through the middle.
your children and their children and their children. May His presence go before and behind and beside all around. He is with Children and their children make His presence go before.